0: step into change and, and new season, so thank you. All right, we're going to head into our series, uh, second week in Devoted, so go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, so our five harbor congregations have been going through Ephesians, parts of it, as we've been focusing on the core values of our church. What do we value as a church that we're unwilling to throw away? unwilling to say all right you know this that season's over we're no longer going to focus on this anymore core values are something that stays no matter the change no matter the season and really what we did was we took our core values from what the first century church valued the church of the apostles the first disciples of Christ what did they devote themselves to and so last week we looked at acts 242 and we looked at what did the Early disciples devote themselves to. And so the first thing that we saw was they well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the gospel. Acts 242. They were committed to, focused on, devoted to, and would not let go of the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? That God has made a way, right, to, to bring uh, rebels into his family through faith in Jesus Christ, through his life, his perfect life, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead to give new life. So we're devoted to the gospel. That's one of our core values. Today we're going to be thinking about devotion to community. Devotion to community. You know, when I was in high school, um, one of the things that me and my friend wanted to do was we wanted to get into certain high school clubs, uh, to be a part of certain high school clubs. Uh, You ever heard of the Keywinds Club? The Keywinds Clubs are... My school had the Keywinds Club. And so, you know, community service and whatnot. And so now the reason why we wanted to get into clubs, and we joined different clubs, was we we viewed clubs kind of parasitically. You know, a parasite comes and tries to extract as much as it can. So our our idea of joining clubs in high school wasn't for college resume. Uh, We did it for food and to get our face in the yearbook pitch, in in, in the yearbook. That's for terrible reasons, I know, terrible reasons. Where we wanted food, because, you know, clubs had food, and we wanted to be in the yearbook. I wanted to you know, be in as much pictures as possible in the yearbook. So we'd go to these clubs, we'd show up for the first club meeting, not show up the rest of the year, because they're going to be talking about community service, and then we show up in May, because what's in May? Yearbook photos. Yearbook photos. Right? And so we viewed these clubs and communities uh, as what can we take from it? What can we get from it? I even had that view growing up in church. I grew up in church as a kid from from childhood on. And so I always thought of church as, well, what will be the food for church? Right? If the food was awesome afterwards, if the snacks was awesome, great service. If it wasn't, not great service. I remember distinctly uh, um, one church I was a part of when I was uh, in, in middle school, middle school time, where uh, they would take the kids afterwards, and they'd play basketball because they had basketball rim, and they'd just play outside. And so, um, what I thought as a kid was, well, after service, I know, and, and this was a church that they had a lot of cleanup afterwards. I, I thought to myself, I know, the people are gonna try to get all the kids to help clean up the church, and I gotta avoid that. So, right after service ends, if I stick around in the sanctuary, the guy that leads the cleanup, he's gonna grab all the kids and, and make us carry heavy speakers. So. I'm going to run out to the playground early. And so the kids would avoid cleaning up church right? because they wanted to, and I wanted to, not do hard work and sweat, but play basketball and just have a good time outside. So really my view of community and church early on was what can I get from it? What, is, what can I benefit from from, from, from this, uh, this gathering? Like a parasite, what can I suck out in order to best, uh, best benefit me. But when we think about the early church and we read about the church of an act, right, we know they didn't live like that. That wasn't their view. They didn't live to just try to figure out how they can gain personally as much as they can. But they were, they were gathering that generously gave up their lives for one another. They were committed to one another because they genuinely loved One another. I mentioned last week that people can view church as far as you know uh, um, what can they get out of it. People can view church as a social club. Right? How how can I get friends? Uh, Other people might view church as a way to be moral. How can I be more moral? But the church in Acts—that was what they focused on. They were devoted to the gospel how God had radically changed their lives, has given them a new life through the power of the Spirit, through faith in Jesus, and now together they are to be on God's mission and to accomplish that they are to be in his community. And So we're going to be focusing today on the community of God. Why do believers gather together? Why do Christians gather together? And what is their purpose? What are they supposed to do? Maybe some of us, we're thinking about that right now. Like, Why do churches gather if I can just listen to podcasts online? What am I supposed to do if I'm a follower of Christ and I'm in a church community? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on in Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we were in Ephesians chapter 1 as we're just looking at all the riches that we have in Christ, all the blessings because of the gospel. And in chapter 4, Paul's going to pivot and say, well, because you're so rich in Christ, because you have been given so much, here's how you're to live with these riches, in community with other followers of Jesus. Let's go in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. He says this, right, after talking about all these riches, and we didn't cover it all, right? we didn't cover chapter 2 and 3, but Paul says, I, therefore a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In community, we are to fight for unity. To fight for unity. Here, the way that Paul describes it is he says that we're to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit. Well, how do we do that? Well, the good news is we don't have to create unity, we already have it. Paul doesn't say create unity of the Spirit, he says maintain it. We've already been united because we have one Father, right? God. We have one Savior. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, both local church and the global universal church. So we have the unity. We are called to maintain that unity as a family. Or just like a biological family, right? we're, we're in, in a family, you're united by blood. But that unity can be challenged, right, when families get into fights. So how do we then fight for unity? Well, one of the ways that we do that is to focus on our common Beliefs, our common faith, focusing on our common faith. And and Paul tells us this here. He says to, in verse uh, 4, there's one body, one spirit. This is your call to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. See, Christians at times, and maybe we've we've been a part of it or we've witnessed it, right, can bicker and fight over secondary matters. Rather than celebrating the unity that we have in God, right, Christians can get together and argue over the timing of Christ's return. Right? Instead of celebrating what we have in Jesus, Christians can argue over the views of the millennium. Which, by the way, we're going to be going into Revelation in a couple Sundays. So, I'm excited for that. But Christians, right, you could see that. They could fight and bicker and be angry over just the views of the millennium. Christians can bicker and argue over the spiritual gifts, right? whether or not certain gifts are in operation today. Instead of just worshiping God together in unity, instead of really loving Jesus and, and, and praising God for uh, the unifying work that he's done, Christians can argue over whether or not tongues are even speaking in tongues even happens in these days. And the whole conversation, you just get into that snowball, and then there's bitterness, there's resentment, there's there's anger, and it turns ugly. And maybe you've been a part of it, maybe you've seen Christians get a part of it. Paul's saying here, right, we're unified under our common faith. And what is that? right? One body. One body and one spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit living within us. We're called to one hope. Right? And, and, and that is, that Jesus will return. And he'll create a new heavens and a new earth, this hope of a, perf- a perfect world that we all look forward to. We have one Lord, right? Jesus Christ. Oh, and it's only through him that we are saved. We have one faith, right? The gospel. We have one baptism, one God and Father of all. Whenever we're feeling fractured or, or falling into arguments with other Christians about secondary issues, focus on what we do have in common. Our common faith, our, the gospel, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's one way that we fight for unity. A second way that we fight for unity is by loving one another through conflict. Loving one another through conflict. Look at verse 2 with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Right? Paul specifically puts these words, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. Here's what that tells us, is we're going to be tempted. right? Whenever we're living in community with other Christians, whenever we're willing to open up our hearts to other followers of Jesus, there's going to be the temptation to be impatient, to be harsh, to be prideful, and to be, to be very uh, quick to anger at other believers. And the temptation for any, you know, for, for any kind of relationship, but even in church-type, Christian-type relationships, is when someone right, wrongs you, when someone is impatient towards you, is harsh uh, towards you, is prideful towards you, the easiest thing to do is to avoid them and to ditch them. That's just the easiest way to do things. right? If they're not someone that you have to see at work every day, if they're not a family member that you have to go home to, right? whenever there's conflict, the easiest thing to do is to avoid it and then to talk to think about the person. right? But notice Paul doesn't say that. right? Paul says, Maintain the unity of the Spirit. Be humble, gentle, and patient, and bear with one another in love. Not resenting it, but in love. That can only be done by the power of the Spirit. Because that's what happens in family. Family gets into conflict. But we don't ditch or desert them, or we shouldn't, right? Our biological family members. Well, how much more the family of God? I find that, you know, maybe you have siblings, have kids, right? And it's really easy to get into arguments and to fight, to be prideful towards one another. I find often that it's in the car that these things come out. Both, you know, I have siblings, but also... As a parent, right, it's really easy, right, to be um, to be prideful, right, to fight over what song to listen to on the radio, or on the, you know, uh, or, or, or streaming, what what song to listen to, and and fights can break out even in the car. There can be uh, impatient because uh, one kid is, is is screaming and just having a tantrum in the car, and so it's hard to be patient in these areas. It's hard to bear with a a sibling who's complaining. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? We just want to blow up at them, right? Because it's just getting on our nerves. Car rides can bring out, right, just really nasty stuff. But they're family. And so what that means is, even in the nastiness, even in the hard stuff, we're committed to one another. To bear with one another because Jesus bore with us. To be humble towards one another. To be gentle towards each other. So when a believer wrongs us the wrong way instead of running away, instead of even suppressing, seeking reconciliation, seeking forgiveness, Paul's telling us to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Don't resent doing this, but be eager to do it. Why? Why are we to be eager for this stuff? Because when we are unified together, when we're reflecting the unity that God intends, we are reflecting to the world who God is. Our unity with one another is a reflection of God's unity in himself. God himself is unified he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons in a loving community with himself. Hard for us to grasp, right? but God was never alone. When he created the heavens and the earth, it wasn't because he was lonely. He already had himself, Father, Son, Spirit in a, in a community of love. He creates us in his image, redeems us, adopts us into his family, and now we have the opportunity to reflect God through our love for one another. So that's, that's huge, right? And that, that makes unity that much bigger in our minds and purposeful because it's missional. It shows others who God is when we love one another as Christ has loved us. So as a community, we fight for unity. Second, in Christ's community, we exercise our spiritual muscles. Let's look at verse 11. Paul writes this, and he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, right? God wants us to grow together. And God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We're not going to really get into that. We won't be focusing on that today. But God has given, given certain people gifts in the church. He's given all of his children gifts. He's given leaders to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're going to focus on verse 12. Notice it says here, to equip the saints, right? The question is then, okay, who is a saint? The word saint means to be set apart, to be sanctified. Well, the question is, okay, who is set apart? It's every follower of Jesus. It's not a select group of Christians that are saints. Saints are is anyone who has been sanctified by the work of Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus who has been forgiven and redeemed and sanctified by Jesus, then you are a saint. We might not feel like a saint, right? Maybe family members don't call us a saint, but we are saints. We have been set apart, sanctified, for the work of God as his people. Here it says, Paul is saying, to equip the saints that is every single one of us, well, for what? For the work of the ministry. Ministry is just a fancy word for service, for serving God. Now, maybe you hear in in church settings, someone might say, oh, you know, I want to go into full-time ministry. Maybe you heard that. And what that person is saying is, oh, they want to work for a church. They want to, you know, their full-time job, they want to be working for a church. And that's how people use nowadays full-time ministry. But if we look at the scriptures, really, every single Christian is in full-time ministry. Because every single Christian is a saint to be equipped, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Right? So all of us are in full-time ministry, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. When we serve the Lord of the grace that he provides, it's what God uses to grow us to be more like Jesus, who himself is the servant of all. Jesus said he did not come to earth to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we're to become more like Christ, that means we're to become more like the servant of all. God gives us the the gift of service to grow us, to become more like his son Jesus. He uses it to grow and build our spiritual muscles, to become more mature in the faith. So what are we to do in Christ's community? We're to exercise our spiritual muscles through Serving. serving. Maybe you heard this illustration, but uh, in Israel, next to Israel, between, between Israel and Jordan, is the Dead Sea. Right, the Dead Sea. And I believe it's the lowest point on earth. Now, because there's no outlet to the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea just collects salt. As water gets evaporated over time, right, all that remains is just greater and greater amounts of, of, of salt, the ratio of salt and water. In fact, in the Dead Sea right now, I read that uh, it is eight times as salty than the ocean. And so because of that, the only things that can survive in the Dead Sea is like algae and some other kind of microorganism. Fish cannot survive. All this kind of marine life cannot survive in the Dead Sea. And the reason why is because there's no outlet. There's no flow of fresh water to get into the Dead Sea in order to replenish the, the, the water and to, you know, uh, equalize that salt ratio. So because there's no outlet, that Dead Sea is dead. It's dead. See, the Christian life can be like that in a sense, where we can be, you know, reading our Bibles, we can be listening to podcasts and filling ourselves up with all kind of knowledge of God, but if there's no outlet to, to serve the Lord and to serve others, we become like the Dead Sea. We get a lot of of just things getting sent into us, good things, but there's no outlet in order to channel it out. And so we just kind of, in a sense, just feed, 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 but don't work out those, those muscles in order to, to grow. Like when I, when, I, when I was in high school uh, and playing basketball, I wanted to get stronger, and so I took a whole lot of supplements, but I didn't work, out, work it out as I should have, and so uh, it didn't turn out very good for me. And so uh, there needs to be an outlet to the intake. And so God's given us the gift of service in order to work out our spiritual muscles so that as we're taking in God's Word, as we're being encouraged by good teaching, you know, things that we, 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 we listen to, right, we, we then take what we learn and apply that to our lives and serve the Lord and grow to be more like Christ. God's given all of us spiritual gifts. He's given us talents and abilities and resources That we are to use uh, for his kingdom. We're to use to love and to serve other people. So exercise those spiritual muscles in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our congregations. Work those muscles out. Finally, in in Christ's community, and this is is, uh, connected to the second point, we're to help each other grow. We're to help each other grow to become more like Christ. build one another up. Let's read verse 15 and 16. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Right, we are compared to a body. Every single one of us right, are a part of the body of Christ if we are in Christ. And Paul's saying here right, is that we're to be concerned for one another, that all parts of the body are built up. Right, imagine a, a doctor visit right, of a child. A child goes to see the doctor. Right, and, and, and the doctor's like, oh, great kid, this is going great, this is going good, this is going good right, the circumference of the head is, is, is good, the height's good, the weight's good, but this part of the body, I don't know why, but this part of the body is not growing the way it should, right. As a parent, as an adult, as an auntie and uncle, right, if we were to hear that news, we wouldn't focus on, wow, all the parts of the body is, go, is, is growing good except one. What would you focus on? That one part of the body that's not growing, right. Our, our minds would be consumed with that, right our focus would be on, okay, there's one part of the body and that needs to grow. Well, then think about it in the context of, of the church community. right? Maybe we're growing, but are we aware of and attentive to and caring for maybe another brother or sister in the body of Christ who's not or who's struggling, who's having a hard time? Right? Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that we're to have equal concern for one another that even if we're growing well in Christ, we're enjoying the Lord and, and just seeing God work in our lives, that if we see a brother or sister in need of support and courage, that we're to come alongside and to support them as best as we know how. And Paul tells us how. He says, do it by speaking the truth in love. Right? We are to grow up in every way into Him. We are to speak the truth in love. Right? Why? Well, we can be truthful but not loving. And that can destroy a relationship, right? We could be loving to someone, kind, gentle, but not truthful to them. And we end up deceiving them. So there needs to be both truth and love. Now, when we read this, we might think, okay, what Paul's saying here is saying, oh, just be truthful. So if you see someone, you're talking to somebody and you know they've got something hanging out of their teeth or their nose, speak the truth in love, right? Nicely, kindly, politely tell them that there's something in their nose and in their tooth and that never goes well, right? But you are to do that. You are to be truthful, speak the truth in love. But is that what, what Paul's saying? Is Paul saying here, okay, just any time you need to be truthful to someone about anything, whether it's their teeth or their nose or, or um, the outfit that they wore, be loving. Well, that's not what Paul's focusing on here.
1: Now, don't get me wrong,
0: we're supp- we should be truthful and loving in different contexts. Absolutely, right? But what is Paul talking about here? What is the truth? Well, what has he been talking about in chapter 4 and the entire letter? The gospel. The gospel of God and all of its implications. So what Paul is saying then here in the community of God, when we gather together, when we have lunch with one another, when we're over each other's house, when we're, we're mingling, right? we are to right, be intentional to speak the gospel and its implications into one another's lives. Right, we call ourselves a gospel-centered church. And like that's like a real buzzword, but what does that even mean? Right? That the good news of Jesus should impact, influence, speak into everything that we do. Our marriages, our friendships, our our, our relationship with our co-workers, how we view ourselves. Somehow the gospel speaks into and affects how we view life and how we view ourselves. And we're to then speak the gospel and the implications of it and the truth of the gospel into one another's lives in love. So, so that when, when, when we're struggling right, maybe some of us we're, we're dealing with feeling just, just dirty, we messed up and we're confessing our sin to another believer. We're to remind them of the, the good news of Jesus. That Christ truly died for that sin and all those sins. But so even if they feel guilty, they are absolutely clean. And they need that encouragement to hear that from other followers of Jesus. Right? Maybe we feel hopeless. Our marriages are going down the drain. Our jobs are terrible. Uh, our families are experiencing friction. It seems like it will go on forever. And so our brother and sister, maybe we, our brother and sister have lost hope. And we feel hopeless. We need to speak the gospel into the circumstances. That, that because of Jesus, right, there is hope even where it looked like all hope was gone, when he was dying on the cross, it looked like Satan had won, that was the very means by which God was redeeming the world. And so that tells us that even in our dark, hard circumstances, God brings redemption and beauty out of it, even if we don't see it right away. We need to speak gospel hope in times that we feel hopeless. We need to speak the gospel to one another when we feel overwhelmed. Maybe with just the demands of life, of kids, of family, of work, of responsibilities are just overwhelming us right now. And we need to be reminded that we have been given the Holy Spirit of God through faith in Christ, who lives in us and empowers us for every single good work. And God will never leave us or forsake us. So we have him in those moments of feeling overwhelmed. We need one another to encourage each other of these gospel truths. And so that's why we, we have uh, opportunities of of community groups and journey groups and different ways that we can gather together where where we have these opportunities, where we can speak the gospel into one another's lives. We can remind each other what we have in Christ. So let's let's make use of those opportunities and devote ourselves to building good, beautiful relationships up. Let's look forward to it and, and be praying for. Opportunities that we can have with Harbor Honolulu where we can, we can connect with other followers of Jesus when we gather together on Sundays in order to, to encourage and build one another up. And, and let's prayerfully look towards when we gather back in Ma'i Ma'i that that, that, that fellowship there and, and those who would come from that valley that there'd be opportunities where community can be built. And so let's continue by God's grace to devote ourselves right, to gathering together to not forsake it and to encourage one another with, with the good news of Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for community, the gift of it. And Lord, we know that it can be messy, it can be hard. Uh, it's so easy at times to just avoid, but you've given it to us as a gift. And we want to open it up and, and use it for your glory. And so we pray, Lord, for just um, for some of us who maybe don't have just, just strong relationships. Lord, that you would, you would uh, bring them into existence. Lead us into relationships that would build us up. For those of us who have strong relationships, Lord, we, we pray we would open up our arms and invite others in to these relationships. But we pray for this, this new season coming up with Harbor Honolulu uh, to have an opportunity to build good, strong, encouraging relationships there. Thank you, Lord, for the church community. Thank you that. Uh, that uh, you have adopted us into your family to experience the encouragement, to experience the support uh, that your Spirit brings through community. And so we worship you now for all you have done. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite us now.